Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, everyone. And good morning to everyone who's worshiping and watching online. What a great day, huh? I woke up after several weeks of all this heat. And when I went outside early this morning just to take a breath of fresh air and enjoy the morning, I was just abruptly blessed by this cool, dehumidified breeze. Wonderful. You know, sometimes our lives are like that. We feel like we're in the heat of it. Difficulty, hot circumstances, trying circumstances. And it just seems like there's no end to it. And every day you wake up, it's still there, then the next, then the next. Then without announcement, without warning, all of a sudden, the environment changes. And that's what I want to talk about today. How many of you are ready to see God change your environment? Okay, it's about 10. It's about 10. Well, if you'll let him, did you hear what I just said? If you'll let him, he will change your negatives to a positive. He will bring a turnaround moment, a paradigm change. If you let him, that puts a lot of responsibility on us, doesn't it? So I want to look at, and we're going to study today, what it means to experience the blessed life. Now when you hear that, oh, I want to be blessed, I want to be blessed. Everybody has a different take on what it means to be blessed. The word blessed can evoke an array of responses. Webster's Dictionary defines it this way, obviously blessed. But it's also defined as honored, respected, admired, content. Here's a good one. Happy. When you're blessed, obviously you're happy. The Greeks define it also similar. Blessed, fortunate, or happy. So with this in mind, let's take a moment to look at our text. Everybody turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 6. Encourage you to bring your Bibles. Get used to working through them. People say, oh, I don't like to open my Bible. By the time I get there, you're done. Well, the practice is good. Somebody say amen. Amen. So Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 6 reads, Blessed, or some translations, blessed, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. Now, we looked at the definition of the word blessed, so let me reread this verse with the other words used to define blessed. Blessed are those. Content are those. Fortunate are those. Happy are those who do what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to emphasize the word happy. Do you know happy comes from the root word happen? That means you could reread this verse again, and Jesus is communicating to his listeners Good things happen to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So how many of you want some good things to happen in your life? How many of you want to be blessed? Those of you worshiping and watching online, good things happen to those, right? Good things who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So if you answered yes, and all of you did, obviously, and those of you watching online, I couldn't hear your yes, but I'm sure your heart and your affirmation was there. If your answer is yes, then the first thing you need to do to step in 
to this blessing, Jesus tells us, get hungry. How many of you are hungry right now? I'm talking about for food. I'm not talking about that brunch you may be attending or that grill you may fire up when you get home. I'm talking about a spiritual hunger and a thirsting. Jesus says the first step towards being blessed, content, fortunate, happy, is when you are hungry. We are what we eat. Do you know that? We are what we eat, and this applies not only physically, but also mentally and spiritually. Whatever we put into our bodies, we will feel the results of. Whatever we put into our minds, entertainment, academia, whatever we program ourselves with, will determine what we think, what we play out and live out. And spiritually, the same thing is true. We are what we eat. Those who exude great faith are doing what they need to do to cultivate faith. If you feel that you have so many areas of weakness and struggle, then you need to ask yourself, spiritually, what am I eating? The Greek definition for hunger is obviously hunger, but it also means to crave ardently and to seek with eager desire. So Jesus says those who hunger and thirst, those that are craving ardently and seeking with an eager desire, he says they'll be filled. Now, when it comes to hunger, think about this. Hunger is something we all have control over. You control your hunger. You control what you eat. You control how much you eat. And when do you eat? You know, through the years, if any of you had children, that it was a struggle to get them to eat. And you tried all types of encouragements. We had one daughter, our youngest, Laura, who just would not eat anything. Her older sister, Heather, was always the encouragement of getting her to try new things. Maybe you're like that. Maybe your diet is very limited. Well, there's some things we really would be better off not eating. Somebody say amen. But at the same time, in order to enlarge our enjoyment of food, and food is, is a great thing. It's, when it's done right, it's a place of fellowship. You know, it even has a, a physiological effect. I know my wife would always tell my daughters, if you have anything to ask dad, ask him after he eats. Now, there's a physiological reason for that because endorphins are released when you eat, and it makes you very amicable. And, and so my girls, if they asked before, no. After, yes. I became the yes man. And so there are effects. What we eat affects us. But the choice always rests with us. What we eat, how much we eat, and when we eat. So let me ask this in regards to spiritual hunger as an emphasis. Who or what is your hunger focused on? Because there are a lot of distractions that want to take us away from feeding our spiritual faith, our walk with God, feeding our hunger for more of Him. Hunger as a motivator can either motivate us towards God or towards other things. Hunger, I really believe, is the difference between success and failure, whether Christian emphasis 
or even in personal endeavors and, and success and, and for those in everyday life. Tony Robbins said this about hunger. He says, hunger is the only differentiation in people, not talent. So you can see someone who's very talented, but yet someone not as talented, but they're hungry, and they will out-achieve the one that has more giftings. Here's what Tom Brady had to say. Many refer to him as the GOAT, the greatest of all time as a quarterback in the NFL. He said, stay hungry and remain humble. I think his results have, you know, confirmed that he was hungry to win. How about Les Brown? He says, the people who want to step into their greatness. How many of you want to step into greatness that God has for you? He says, the people who want to step into their greatness are hungry. Here's another one. By the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says, I don't like being comfortable. Once you get used to it, it's hard to give it up. I'd rather stay hungry. And right in our text this morning, the greatest statement about hunger. Jesus himself said it. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Which means what we hunger for in life reveals our passion. So just take a moment right now, everybody self-absorb and just self-assess at the same time. What is the greatest passion of your life? Don't answer, don't say anything, just self-assess. Our passions will reflect where our time and energies are put. And if you look at what you give the most of your time and energy to, and then the passion in that accompanies that, you'll see what is a higher priority in your life, at least right now. Now I get it, we have to be you know, diligent with our jobs, things like that. But the greatest priority, the one that overrides, reigns above them all, what is the greatest passion? To enjoy the blessed life, the first thing all of us need to do, those of you watching online need to do, the first thing we need to do is what? Get hungry, but then after we're hungry, then we need to get thirsty. How many of you are thirsty today? You'll find the cravings for food and water are life and death determinations. You can only live so long without food till your body shuts down. You can only live even less time if there's no hydration and fluid and water in your body. And this is why Jesus uses the analogy when he speaks of our walk with him and becoming more like him and becoming effective and making a difference in life. He says, thirst for righteousness. He says, cultivate an unquenchable thirst. And that thirst will manifest and play itself out as a thirst for His presence. Hungry just to have Jesus with you. A sense of an awareness of His presence. His anointing. The Bible says that it's the anointing in the book of Isaiah that breaks the yoke. Or some of you, some of you watching online as well. Or there are some things that are hindering your life. Hindering your family. Hindering your marriage. Hindering your health. Whatever it might be. There, are an array, there is an array of oppositions that come against us all. That's just called life. And in Scripture, the prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says it's the yoke that breaks the anointing. So what yoke needs to be broken? When you're hungry and you're thirsty, then that increases God's presence, but also His anointing to where things that you wrestled with or issues or circumstances that just 
seemed to never change all of a sudden in a moment because of his anointing. It changes. Everywhere Jesus went, if people were sick, did they get healed or did they stay sick? If they were in spiritual bondages, did they stay bound or were they set free? Everywhere he went, if they were hungry, they got fed. He fed the 5,000 once, he fed the 4,000 once, not including the women and children. Everywhere he went, circumstances changed for the better. If people were dead, Lazarus, they came back to life. That is the impact of his anointing. And he wants us as Christians to know that we can enjoy his same presence and we can enjoy this same anointing, but in order to have that, we've got to get hungry and we've got to get thirsty. It's imperative. Having that vision cultivated, his presence, his anointing. And when we're hungering and thirsting, it causes us to realize his plan for our lives. Do you know that God has a plan for you, a specific plan? I know he has a, had and has a plan for my life. Scripture, the Bible says, the steps of the righteous are ordered by who? The Lord. And how do you get righteous? Right standing with God. By knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The moment a person embraces the salvation of Almighty God through Jesus Christ, then that's when this anointing, this presence, this vision, and His plan for our lives is initiated. So getting in touch as we hunger and thirst for the presence of God, for the will of God, it helps us recognize this plan. There's nothing worse than investing a lot of time, money, and energy into something that doesn't work. How many would agree? I guess everybody wants to invest in bad things then. There's nothing more frustrating. Come on now, you got to be active with me today. We are one with this message. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, so there's nothing more frustrating than investing time, energy, and effort into something that doesn't work. All right, you're halfway there. And so when we can know in advance what we should or shouldn't do, don't you think that would be of great benefit? If you know that if you go this direction, it's going to produce heartache, then don't go that direction. And for those who hunger and thirst for Jesus, for righteousness, He'll reveal His plan if we'll listen. Sometimes God is speaking and people say, I don't hear His voice. But are we listening? Sometimes we can want something so much and so bad that we want to squelch the voice of the Holy Spirit because that's not really in agreement with what I really want. Have you ever found out sometimes God will give you what you want and then all of a sudden afterwards you say, why did I want this? 2020 hindsight is always a good revelation, right? But if we can trust God in advance, we can save ourselves, as I said a moment ago, and half of you are in, a lot of time, energy, money, and frustration and heartache. The plan of God. The blessed life. Man, when we hunger and thirst, the benefits that come are overwhelming. 
So those who are hungry and thirsty, you know what, you know what the end result is? When they continue to hunger and thirst for righteousness, that then in return produces the character of God in those people. Because you can't spend time in His presence and not become like Him. You know, those we fellowship with, we become like. They can either bring us up or they can bring us down. And so when we're cultivating through hungering and thirsting for God's presence and, and, and for His anointing, His vision, and His plan for our lives, and we're surrounding ourselves with people of like faith and purpose, then that hunger and thirsting will make us just like Jesus. Then all of a sudden, it changes the way we make decisions. Changes the way we look at adversity. I've got to tell you, my life has had its share of adversity. But thank God, hallelujah, I mean it. I thank God that He has been that ever-present help in my life through some of the darkest, deepest waters I've had to walk through. And when we understand what God can do, in fact, let me ask, what's impossible for the Lord? Nothing. And when we surround ourselves and we are engulfed and entrenched in His presence, His anointing, His vision, and His plan, and we take on His very character, who He is, then we will face life the way Jesus faced life during His 33 and one half years. How many of you think that Jesus is a good example to look to for how to face life? Amen. Amen. That's why we can trust what He says. Nothing he said prophetically fell to the ground. It all came to pass. He was the Word made flesh. That means when he spoke, those words came to life. That's why the Bible is called the living Word of God. It's a record of the words of God. Old Testament, through the prophets, but still the Word of God. And then in the life of Jesus and the epistles of the apostles, the living Word of God. When a word is alive, it produces results. Hallelujah. And the results it produces is righteousness. Have you ever thought about what the definition of righteousness is? So sometimes we have our patent, you know, responses. Oh, it means to be in right standing with God. Well, that's true. But righteousness also means integrity. It's also defined as purity. Correctness of thinking. You know, wouldn't it be great if the whole world was hungering and thirsting for the Lord? And then all of these debates, these political debates, these moral debates, these scientific debates, all of this would cease and come to an end because the presence of God, His righteousness, produces what? Correctness of thinking. That means we begin to think the way God thinks. The moment we get into trouble is when we try to change the written Word of God. Scripture says His Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Never changes. That's the kind of God I can trust. He doesn't change His mind, doesn't change His Word. Think about it. If God changes His Word in any area, then He can change His forgiveness to you and me. Well, I know I forgave you yesterday, but not today. I am so humbled and comforted to know that His forgiveness is forever. It's never changing. never comes to an end. And so when the integrity of God, 
the righteousness of God, the character of God is imparted to us, it comes as a result. It's a byproduct of hungering and thirsting for His presence, for righteousness. So let me ask, how hungry are you today? Those of you watching online, how hungry are you? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? How desperate are you to be filled with God's presence? So righteousness is God's character, which is, again, the byproduct of hungering and thirsting. And when we understand that, even as a principle, I'm reminded of a man by the name of Aaron Ralston. How many remember that name? Well, you'll remember as I expand on the story. On April the 26th, 2003, he went climbing alone in the Utah mountains, which was a dumb thing to do. They tell you never go into the wilderness or to a climb by yourself. Always have the buddy system for safety purposes. However, during his climb, he then, as he was making his way through this mountain, an 800-pound boulder fell on and trapped his right arm. Some of you remembering this now. For six days, he was deprived of food and water. He couldn't eat, couldn't drink. He was dehydrating. Malnutrition would begin to settle in and affect his strength. He knew that the longer this continued, the more he was at risk to die. So in a desperate attempt, to free his right hand, he cut off his hand above the wrist in order to be free. Following his rescue, because obviously he was successful, was able to make it where people were, can you imagine that, coming out without your right hand? He then wrote a book which brought him immediate national and international acclaim, Between a Rock and a Hard Place, an appropriate title. His hunger and thirst to live was the driving force that saved his life. And spiritually, we need to look at our walk with God and relationship with Him with the same ideal. Our hunger, our thirsting for Him, without it, will be weakened physically, will be unfilled, unfulfilled, will find ourselves lacking results, struggling with things that Maybe once we didn't struggle with, but now because of a lack of spiritual food, lack of hunger, a lack of filling ourselves thirsting for the fountain of Almighty God, our life seems to be not what it once was and not what we even desire it to be. It's astounding how the absence of God's presence affects mankind. And that's when the world, and that's when even you and I, we find ourselves in compromising situations or desperate situations because we haven't been faithful to monitor our hunger and our thirst. I love what David says about this in Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty of of the Lord. Let me ask this. What is the one thing that is of most importance to you? David shared his. What is that most important thing, that one thing that you 
desire. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus said, you will be filled. God wants to fill us. We were made to be filled with His Spirit, His presence. Why do you think we were created in His image? No other living thing on this planet reflects the image of God. We are body, we are soul, we're spirit. Whereas other living things, animal life, are body and soul, but they're not spiritual beings. They have the ability to show emotion, to show affection. They have the ability to exercise will, to obey, disobey. Those of you who are pet owners have experienced this. But the Bible says when an animal passes, their soul goes to the earth. There is no afterlife, according to Scripture, for animals contrary to Disney's All Dogs Go to Heaven. Now, I would love to think that my previous pets are there, have had some great pets during my lifetime. But they're not created in the image of God. They're here for the pleasure of God and for the pleasure of us. But we, the image of God, body, soul, made in His image as a spiritual being, so that the Spirit of the living God can live, abide, and dwell within us. That sets us apart. And God made us that way so He could fill us with His Spirit. What was it that happened on the day of Pentecost? The 120 were gathered in the upper room and all were filled with the Spirit of God. When's the last time you ever heard of an elephant or a dog or a cat or a horse? Being baptized in the Holy Spirit with fire. Doesn't happen. When's the last time you walked into your living room, there's your cat on its knees with its paws lifted towards heaven, just worshiping and praising God. Spiritual beings respond to a spiritual God. And because we're created in His image, He wants to fill us. He wants to bless us. It's our bad decisions that open the door for Satan to tell us otherwise. God loves us so much, that's why He sent Jesus to correct the wrong, to make the wrong right again. And Jesus gave His own life so that could happen. To believe otherwise is to call God a liar. Because John 3.16 says it all, don't you think? For God so loved almost all the world. No, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever we're all a whoever. Those of you watching online, you're a whoever. Whoever means everyone, anyone, no matter what you've done. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. Eternal life comes through invitation. Eternal life is choice. That's why it's imperative that as believers we hunger and thirst because as God produces His character in us, you know what? That gives hope to other people we know. There are people who want to know there's something bigger than the issue they're wrestling or struggling with. They want to know that there's something bigger than the, the cancer or the illness that's, that's terminal that they're wrestling with. They want to know that there's hope. They want to know that no matter what the prognosis may be, no matter what the legal situation is, no matter what you know, uh, we're facing that there's always hope. And as we hunger and thirst 
And God instills His character and He fills us, then that spills out on others. That's why when you look at God's design and will for our lives, He wants people, His image, filled, but not only filled, overflowing. Have you ever put a, a, a pot, possibly, if you're getting ready to make a, a dinner, boil some pasta, or maybe a glass, and you put it in the, in the sink, the kitchen sink, and you turn the spigot on, have it right over that pot, right over that, that glass, that container. Now, in the beginning, it fills up. till finally, it's completely filled, and then beyond completely filled is what? Filled to overflowing. That's what God wants to do in the life of every Christian. He wants us filled to overflowing. Why? Because when His character, His righteousness, and His Spirit is not only filling us, but overflowing and spilling through us, it changes those around us. I always say it this way, we're filled to be spilled. You ever fill a cup too high and you're trying to make it from the from wherever one point A is to point B, and you have to balance it real close, or maybe you get a cup of coffee at, at Starbucks or wherever your favorite place to go apart from home is, and then all of a sudden it's too full and you got to try and make it to a can where you can dump some out. Oh, you're trying to, oh, it spills out if you're not careful, right? You know, that's filled to overflowing, filled to spill. So God wants us to spill out His character, His love, His mercy, His encouragement, His hope. The fruit of the Spirit, love, His joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, His faith, meekness, and self-control. Man, in the world we live in, which is so unpredictable and undependable, it's great to know when someone who has hungered and thirst for the righteousness of Almighty God, that they are filled with His presence, they exude His character, and when they spill on those around them, they bring that hope, that blessing. That's what Jesus did His entire lifetime. That's what the apostles did all through their lives. Some of the great men and women of God who were your spiritual heroes, that's what they did. That's why they stand out in your life above all others. Why? Because they were filled to overflowing. Full and continually full. And that's what happens when we hunger and thirst. We never run out of gas. You ever run out of gas driving your car? Some of you with an electric car, if you ever ran out of a charge and you didn't make it to the next charging station, I remember, true story, I had, uh, I think it was a 1990 Plymouth Acclaim. It was a great car. And I remember I drove and I drove, it got wonderful gas mileage. And I always wanted to get to the next point and then to the next point so I could go to the gas, chase, gas station of my choice. Well, I am not kidding. I was driving, then all of a sudden, as I was approaching my gas station of choice, it completely went dry, bone dry, the engine stopped, and I drifted in to the gas pump. That's cutting it a little close, don't you think? Isn't it great that if you would never need to fill up again, or you're just continually filled, because you're living at the gas filling station, the presence of God, His table, you're hungering, you're thirsting. You know, in fact, after I filled up with gas, the car wouldn't start right away. Because the fuel injection had gone bone dry and had to reprime. But finally it did and I was on my way. God doesn't want us spiritually speaking and emotionally speaking going bone dry. He doesn't want us trying to survive on empty. We're no good to ourselves. We're no good to those around us. As well as being able to fulfill the purposes of God. That's why it's imperative to make the choice to hunger and to thirst for righteousness. Look at John 10.10. 10. 
In the first portion of this scripture, I don't have it here, I just have the second portion, but it says Jesus references what the devil does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So after Jesus reveals the devil's purposes, he reveals his heavenly Father's purposes and his purpose as well. He says, but I have come that they may have life. Who is they? That's you, that's me. We are the they. Look to the person next to you and say, you are they. Tell them, say, you are they. I am come that they may have what? Life. Zoe, fullness of life, body, soul, and spirit. That they may have life and to have it sparingly. Everybody looked up, saw people, if you look up, abundantly. Abundantly. God always overdoes it. Did you hear me? Well, my life is sure lacking. Well, reevaluate your eating habits. Are you hungry? And are you acting on that hunger? Are you thirsty? And are you acting diligently, continually on that thirsty? Some people say, well, why doesn't everyone experience the blessed life and this abundance that Jesus was mentioning here? And I believe one of the reasons is they turn to other things to satisfy the hunger and thirst they have. I mean, there are other important issues and areas of life that we have to address and confront and be diligent with. I get it, like maintaining a job, being there for our families. And there are many things in life that are responsibilities, day-to-day living responsibilities. But when we begin to allow all these other activities to begin to drown out our hunger and thirst for God. There's a replacement that happens. Oh, we, we, still, we still eat, right? Oh, I, I, I listen to Christian music. Well, that's good. You know, and, and I, I, I still try, I try to get a live stream if I can. Or, or I try to read the Bible, but sometimes when I get home, I'm just wasted. I have nothing left. And so if we allow other things to begin to slowly squeeze out or squelch the hunger and thirst for God in place replaced by a hunger and thirst for something else that may not be a bad thing, but it can never replace the things of God. Then, before you know it, it'll be like me with my 1990 Plymouth Acclaim. You'll be running nearly on empty. I think there's been a few songs written about running on empty. Turn to the things that will bring continual filling, blessing, strength, wisdom. Sometimes we face circumstances in life, we just don't know what to do. But when we're at His table, when we're with the Lord, wisdom is found there, direction is found there, hope is found there, strength is found there, faith is found there. I love what Corey Tamboom, one of my heroes, she's with the Lord now. Before I was in pastoral ministry, one of the Christian bands I played with in the uh, early 70s, we did a lot for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Organization. So just as Billy Graham would bring in Johnny Cash, Amy Grant, he brought in other bands. We were one of the bands that he brought in, and usually the music would accompany some well-known speaker, you know, someone that was a, a headliner, someone that, that had a message of transformation. And so I remember they had asked our band to come when Corey Tamboon was speaking in the Maryland area. And she made a statement, and I remembered it, and when I was preparing this message, I looked it up and found it. It's a beautiful thing that we have with Google. Say amen. All right. 
She said this, For some, God is the steering wheel they use to navigate through life. That's hungry and thirsty. While others treat Him as a spare tire for emergencies only. That's when we allow other priorities to replace our first and foremost hunger and thirst for Him. I have found if you want to encounter and experience the blessed life, then the first thing we all need to understand, it's a choice. The opportunity is there, but we choose whether or not to step into it. Look at the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, when the 120 left the upper room, they went to the streets. What happened then? Peter began to preach. Short message, short and sweet and packed full of meat. That's what I always say. And this message, 3,000 then chose to respond to the salvation that he was proclaiming to these people through Jesus Christ. There was more than 3,000 people there. But out of the multitudes, 3,000 chose to accept Jesus, to hunger, to thirst. What about at the ascension of Jesus when he was taken to the right hand of his heavenly Father? That day, Scripture says 500 were there and they chose to witness not only the ascension but to continue in their faith. Again, hungering and thirsting is a choice. The 120 that gathered in the upper room, they were obedient and they chose to wait. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they were all filled because they chose to wait, to hunger, and to thirst. What about the 72 that Jesus empowered to go out and to cast out demons? When they returned to the Lord, they were filled with joy. And they said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus then responded, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, Luke 10, 19, and over all the power of the enemy. The very fact that when Jesus empowered them, they chose to go, revealed their hunger and thirst for more. What about the 12 disciples? Do you know every single one of them Jesus called personally? Was it a personal invitation? And the 12 had a choice to make. And they chose to follow Him. Then there's the three that went to the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John. Others could have been there with them, but they weren't. But there was three that chose. They had a little bit more hunger and thirsting. And then what about the one that Scripture, John refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Now some people read that and say, well, that's a bit narcissistic. Well, no. What he was showing was that Jesus loved his passion, his hunger, his thirst, his devotion. And that was the one who laid his head on the breast of Jesus. And then when all others forsook the Lord, he remained faithful. He chose to be there, which revealed his hunger and his thirst for the Lord. People choose how close they are or how close they want to be with Jesus. And that applies to all of us too. I mean, if we want to be close to Jesus, we have to begin to read the Bible. This should be a part of our daily life. If we want to be close, then we've got a hunger and thirst to pour our hearts out to Him in prayer and learn how to 
even move beyond just praying for all of our needs and beginning to pray for the needs of others. If we really want to hunger and thirst, then we've got to be in a place, a house of worship where the Word of God is taught. Think about it. Some people say, well, I can just have church on my own. Well, then you might as well say, well, if I ever get sick, I can just heal myself on my own. When you go to a place where people have given themselves, there's called in Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And they are those that God has put a specific skill and anointing on so that they can feed the hungry and the thirsty. They can prepare a meal, spiritually speaking, so people can grow in their understanding and their faith. And the Bible says in Hebrews, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? And so if there's a lack of hearing in our personal reading of the Bible, our personal prayer time, our personal time of sitting in an assembly together, that's why the writer of Hebrews said, forsake not the assembling together of the saints as some are in the habit, the habit of doing. We have to be intentional. We have to guard our time with the Lord because if not, it's like a car or a human body. If you don't go for physicals, you don't go for checkups, then all of a sudden one day there may be a breakdown in your physical health somewhere that may startle you. It's important to be proactive with our health, you know, with our jobs, with our academia, and with our spiritual walk with God. That protects us from the unexpected. The unexpected may come, but we're already prepared in advance. Why? Because we have taken time to be alone with the Lord, and we handle that situation the way Jesus does. There's a lot that all of us are in charge of in life. We have our families. We have our careers. We have our, 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 our ministries, and we have other various responsibilities in the community, possibly. There's a lot that we all have on our plate. That's why it's imperative. If we can bring Jesus to all of those places because we've kept and maintained first and foremost that time with Him where we can hunger and thirst and be filled, then it'll change our lives and change the lives of those around us. I think that's a good place to be. How about you? In conclusion, the depth of your passion is measured by the depth of your devotion. That's not fair. I'm insulted by that, Pastor. It's just truth. It's a wake-up call. It's sobering. So let me ask, who or what has captured your devotion? We're all devoted to something. Well, I love God. I'm not saying... to be an obsessive compulsive with your faith. Now, what do I mean by that? We can't be too extreme for the Lord, but we can be obnoxious. And Jesus was never obnoxious. That's why the unsaved were never, they they were drawn to him. They gravitated to him. He didn't come across as like this, this spiritual pious Pharisee. He was approachable. It says he sat with sinners And people condemned him, accused him of being a drunkard. But yet sinners weren't uncomfortable with him, even though Jesus never compromised his standard. Sinners were drawn to him because they found hope. They found a way of escape. And so God wants us all to measure our passion by what we're most devoted to. The blessed life, got good news, it's waiting for you. Do you hear me? How many of you want a blessed life? How many of you, those of you watching online, how many of you honestly desire a blessed 
life. Well, it begins with salvation. You've got to know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. Scripture says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we'll be saved. So salvation is the starting point. Praying a prayer of commitment to Almighty God and accepting Jesus Christ who died for our sins, the sins of the world. Then that faith, that commitment, that blessing continues by spending time at His table. I love what David said in Psalm 23, verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Then he goes on to say, he says, you anoint my head with oil. The presence of God brings his anointing. And he says, my cup runs over. All of that because David took time to sit at the Lord's table. What do you do at a table? You eat and you drink. You're hungry and your hunger is satisfied. You're thirsty and your thirst is satisfied at the table of Almighty God. I believe as we make the discipline of being diligent and faithful to the table of God, then His presence, His anointing, His strength, all that we need will be at our assistance at any given moment. And that will enable us and empower us to live the blessed life. Today I want to open up, the, open up these altars for this prayer. If you really want to be blessed in life, if you want to experience what brings true happiness, good things happen. Happy is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.